It's so far me and Bruce listened to uh, Wind and Pain. It's fucking. Honestly, it sounds really fucking good. Let me get this baby printed up. Listen to a red eye now. From Super High Quality Records, this is the Super High Quality Live Drugs Podcast with the War on Drugs. Adam Granatsky, Robbie Bennett, stage center, left, keyboards. Uh, Charlie Hall, guitar and uh, drums. Dave Hartley, bass. I stand by Anthony, Anthony Lamarca, stage, stage right, right Natchez, guitar and keys. Uh, horns and auxiliary keys. Uh, stage left, rear. You getting all this, Dom? You getting all this? I'm Dominic East, and this is part three. Level check here. Woo! Sick. <laughs> Run that back. We've been playing under the pressure now for like five years. And uh, I guess every cycle it feels like it evolved into something totally different. Like the whole pressure in reverse thing. That transition, I think, is like maybe like our you know, Dark Star, St. Stephen, maybe? Um, or is it St. Stephen, Dark Star? Yeah, I guess in terms of the live, of the, this release, we'd always been doing that, like, long transition out of pressure into in reverse. But now having it on the record like that, it's kind of like, um, I feel in some way like I can put it to bed or something. Like, I don't know. We won't, but we could. <laughs> There is something about having a like a released artifact or document or whatever. I wonder how that is going to impact how we play some of these songs next next tour, you know. Oh, cool. Now we can totally reimagine something that we wouldn't have before. Bands that have live recordings of songs where they the live version becomes the definitive version that people refer to or is like, you know, wondering if like we get to that at some point, you know. We we did open with it a few times, right? I bought the slow gear pedal, which is that old 80s boss swell pedal. I bought it in Zurich. So I got the boss slow gear pedal and then I got the um, Electro Harmonics 720 looper. Maybe the next day or I might've got the looper first. It was all within like a frenzied 48 hour gear purchasing 4A. Who knows? Who knows what else? You, you go you go for coffee. Next thing you know, you got a slow gear. <laughs> yeah, you got a slow gear. <laughs> Three loopers. <laughs> yeah, and try to do some laundry. End up with a fucking 
an amp that you'll never be able to use in the U.S. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. On tour, I like to buy gear and I like to um, immediately implement it into the show. So I kind of like the show to be the place where I like learn the gear. I like to just like hook it onto the rig and then experiment like during the show for the first time. And, and I think what happened with pressure was I had the slow gear in the looper and I just started on the fly making like really quick loops. I think I was using the looper and the slow gear as a way to kind of just create some vibe um, while everyone kind of got ready for the next song. And then over the course of a couple of weeks, it kind of became like a moment. Like I think Anthony probably joined in on the the ARP quartet on the string synth. Well, actually uh, the, the intro for Pressure, I used the Korg um, Lambda. The two keyboards that I have is the Korg Lambda and the ARP quartet. What I like about them both is that they're both very simple. And for me, gear wise, I like using things that are simple that I know what sounds are there. So then I could just like, I know at least somewhat beforehand what it's going to sound like. I have this idea, how can I get there with what I have in front of me? Then Ben kind of gets the vibe and Ben, our lighting guy, he starts doing a thing, you know? This is such a big song, you know? And, and there's added this like, really like, condensed moment at the beginning where it's just Adam, you know? And then so how do you just highlight one person in a way where you know you have a whole song that like also highlights different people, you know, subtly and then also explodes. If Anthony had been, and Ben had never like taken that moment to be like a free for all, then it probably would have never evolved into whatever it did, which is like this whole alternate intro to pressure. Jumping on that train a little bit elevated it to like this other thing. Often the most exciting times on stage is when you're in that space. Like any time where you're like super exposed and doing something you've never done before. Sometimes I would like shit the bed, you know, sometimes I'd be like, I'd hit a bum note on the loop. Or sometimes I just couldn't get like a cool loop going. But also sometimes it was like transcendent. I'd have this loop going, a rhythmic loop. And then when everything came in, that loop would like perfectly fall in with the drums in this like on the upbeat or something. And it was always like, that was always the payoff for me was how like the loop got us into the moment.
have a lot of keyboards, a bunch of effects, it's just a bunch of nonsense. And when you have a lot of different keyboards trying to get a lot of different sounds all the time, changing all of those things very quickly is it's complicated. It's a lot of running around, it's stressful, there's a lot of moving, so kind of have a spaceship to get that happening. So generally, when we're starting pressure, I'm kind of like moving the spaceship into turning it into as quickly as possible, twisting all the knobs, trying to get set up for pressure. So yeah, sometimes in this time, it's just like a little bit of like getting into the vibe and a lot of like twisting some knobs. That type of sort of stew that Adam and Anthony and Robbie are creating, it's my favorite types of improvisation to kind of do this textural thing, but I recognize that it just sounds good if I'm not doing anything. It's true, yeah. Do a J, tune a guitar. It's nice having in your back pocket the the song that you know, like people are kind of psyched to hear. Like we should be so lucky that we have a song like that. Like it has like the kind of iconic beginning with the drum machine coming in. Oh man, like that's my favorite part of the night, honestly, because that everything's just so wide. You know, when that hi hat sample thing comes in, it's just like it's. It's like it's spinning around you. You see people just starting to freak out because a lot of people don't experience music that wide. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool knowing that whenever that drum machine pops in that people are going to like be in that moment entirely. Such a moment. Such a moment. Like, I get goosebumps every night because there's just, like, the crowd reacts in such a natural way with this band. When I hear the crowd respond to that moment of dropping the drum machine, it's, like, really satisfying because it's, like, I just know we're all there together, you know? I try to, like, drag it out. I just try to, like vibe off whatever feels like is going on in the room, like how connected people are to maybe like whatever ambient journey we're on for a couple minutes. We were always able to like play with that 20 minutes where we really had the crowd, you know? It can just go forever. Like we just can really vibe out on it. And so it can just, it really just feels like sort of blasting off into space at the end of the night. It always just seems to want to do that. It's just nice to kind of just like this sculpt, this landscape and hear where the song's going and expand it or contract it or, you know. I mean, you can push it, you can pull it, you can take it down. If I can get it to where I can hear people whispering, then that's where I'm going to take it. Because then when it kicks in, you want to you want to slam them and you want it to be a, a visceral experience. My job is to take what the people expect to hear 
and make it more exciting and more intimate and and just create an experience for them. I like to use a lot of ambient mics, um, audience mics and room mics and things like that, just so I can get the guys feeling like they are in a certain space rather than just being in their headphone mix. I was really pretty blown away coming into the camp and realizing like how much they enjoyed that ambience in their ears and how much they enjoyed playing to the room and how much it it influenced the show. I think also like the different venues that were playing, like sometimes they become an instrument as well. Like I know, especially paying, playing piano, if I'm playing something like really simply and it's like a really sweet hall, like I hear those notes coming back. Sometimes that can be like really inspiring though, like the, the sound that's coming off the stage and feeling that. Some nights I just want to literally play two fucking notes for 12 minutes. And sometimes that serves the purpose and like kind of pushes the car down the highway. But sometimes it feels like it's almost going to fall off the rails, like later on in the song. And I love that. You know, rhythmically, like everything is just tucked into this super locked, um, kind of syncopated groove with that straight kick snare thing. I mean, one of the coolest things about the song, and I, I guess this was Adam's thing when we recorded it, is that the bass drum and the bass are syncopating, like the entire song. Honestly, it's like the most freeing thing, like to sort of tuck in a groove underneath, you know, those those programmed hats. It's just, it's so fun. I think for me, pressure is always going to be the one that if once I get halfway through that, that's when I get to relax. Because I know if we've started pressure and we're at a certain point in pressure, everything's working. And I think once I've had a good, good show up to that point, I can relax a little and really dig into just mixing the show. I feel like I tend to mix a, a bit too aggressive sometimes. And then when I started working with the drugs, it taught me like, Sometimes you got to make stuff a little fluffier and pillowier because that's that's what the song needs. And then when you get to a song like Pressure, you start chucking the muscle back in there, you know? The way that part kind of happened, it was my first recording session ever with the band. We all kind of started getting in the same flow I was just like, oh, let me lay down something. And I would lay down all these sort of linear parts of different lengths that kind of like sort of crossed over each other. And we just kept like stacking them until it was like just this really cool, weird 
sax not really sounding like a sax, almost like a keyboard part. I love the anxiety build of that breakdown, where it's just like textures upon layers and things are just growing and growing and growing and growing. I mean, that's one of my favorite moments because I feel like I get to pull back more and more, like as that part keeps going, it's, it's like so exciting to me to like pull lighting elements out. Because before that, it's sort of everything is going and then it's like one group of lights kind of fades out and then another group of lights fades out and then another group of lights fades out and then it's just Charlie, like just to the hi-hat and then nothing. For me on the drums, I pull out and I'm, I'm just playing the hats, you know, live hats along with those 707s. And then, you know, when it explodes after Charlie and then it cuts and goes back in into it and, you know, and the crowd is lit up, it's like, that's such an amazing feeling. It's like, we're all a part of this. Yeah, the cover and the gatefold, I think, are both that moment in pressure where um, it opens up. Hey, do you remember All Points East? Oh yeah, man. That was like um that was a magical day. That was that was the, definitely the best pressure that we had played on that tour. Yeah, the whole crowd sang along and knew every note of Adam's guitar line. It was like being a football match. And it was like this huge wave. Everyone was all the way up against the barricade. And yeah, that was a wild that was a wild show. They were chanting along like it was like it was some kind of football song. It was nuts. That shit Anthony started doing when he starts like fucking like turns towards the towards his amp and just like fucking like bam, bam, like hitting those syncopations. Like I remember that specifically from All Points East. I was like, fuck yeah! Like Anthony is so into this. I mean, it's a ridiculously fun song to play. On, on guitar just because it's like it's about as quintessential rock and roll as you can get it's just two chords you're just playing power you know it's like you could do like classic little like chuck berry things you could simultaneously be chuck berry and malcolm young which is like every every kid's dream <laughs> duty at that point in the song is to be a hi-hat on guitar almost like a Sterling Morrison style of playing you know where it's just like nothing is more important than just like downstroke eighth notes and it's the most powerful thing in the world 
same song to mix, and at the end, you feel like you just got in a car accident. <laughs> when it ends, you're just like, oh, uh, it's great. Jazzmaster bouncing off the stage. I think we're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Super High Quality Podcast was put together by me, Dominic East, with help and support from Adam. Audio mix by Andrew Guerin. Thanks to the guys in the band, as well as our amazing crew. Craig McQuist, Bob Strake, Lawrence Eves, Matthew Walsh, Ben Silverstein. And thanks also to Caroline Klein and everyone at Fort William Artist Management. The album Live Drugs is out now on Super High Quality Records. Thank you so much. Oh, we're in a new town. Let's go to that coffee shop everyone told me about. Let's go to that record store. Sounds like a good day to me. Yeah, sounds pretty sweet. <laughs> these rituals, these rituals of like doing the same stuff. Coffee shop, guitar shop, record shop. <laughs> pinball, pinball. Pinball, pinball. Mummy museum. <laughs> <laughs> another day, another mummy museum.